Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Ben Risser. Thanks for being on the show, Ben. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. No, I'm honored to have you on the show. And Ben and I met at a conference, I guess, over a year and a half ago now. And we got to have a meal together and got to know him. We've talked a couple times since then and learned each other's businesses a little bit. And and he has some very valuable abilities and uses or things that he's doing in his business that he's going to be able to provide lots of great content today and help us in a big way. So thanks again, Ben. And a little about Ben. He's a recovering aerospace engineer. <laughs> That's interesting. And 500. 60 plus units syndicated in partnership with Matt Faircloth of the DeRosa Group, who, you know, Matt's been on a couple different times, and I know the listeners are familiar with him as well. Ben is primarily focused on the operations and finance side of the business, and, and we're going to hop into that today. And uh, but Ben, give the listeners a little bit more about your background, and let's dive into how you're scaling these systems and processes that you're working in the background that's making this business so successful. Sure. Like you said, I'm a recovering aerospace engineer. At the beginning of my career, I was, well, I graduated from Penn. State. So I got to get the shout out to Penn State first. And then got my first job at Boeing in Philadelphia. I was a, an engineer on the C-47 Chinook program in Philadelphia and uh, worked there. Great place, great company. And I uh, worked there for just under nine years, I believe, and moved on. And through a complicated sequence of events, found myself doing real estate full time. I'd been studying real estate for quite a while while I was working full-time, and then at some point through uh, God's providence, I was able to jump in full-time, and that's what I'm doing now, doing syndications with Matt and Liz Faircloth. Awesome. Well, we think very highly of Matt and Liz and have been honored to have them on the show as well and look forward to our conversation, Ben. But give us some details about what your role is in this operation, and then let's dive into some of your specialties. Sure. Where I began working with Matt and adding value to his goals was in the area of underwriting and acquisitions. I would underwrite opportunities that I would find or he would find, and I underwrote countless opportunities before we closed on our first deal in January of 18. Since then, my focus has shifted from doing the underwriting to overseeing the acquisitions team and the tools and the processes. And I'm really moving more into a operations systems focus and also finance, basically making sure the money flows through the companies and the dollars go to who they need to go to when they need to go to them. Those are things you don't necessarily learn or that's not the sexy part of syndication that a lot of people advertise and try to promote in their educational programs. It's kind of something that comes upon you once you acquire the asset. And uh, at the scale that we're at, we're at around just over 500 some units, you start to find bottlenecks in your business. And those things become readily apparent when you start to scale on the volume of transactions and the volume of dollars flowing through the business. And you realize, wow, my systems and processes need to be restructured to support the scale and continued growth. And so that's really been my focus this year is just building scalable systems. Nice. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. And can you describe a potential bottleneck, you know, that it's happened or happened recently or just something that, you know, the listener can also expect that to come as well as they grow? Uh, what, what's a bottleneck that you all have had and had to work through? 
Cash management, when you're managing a single property, the number of transactions that have to be taken care of. We use QuickBooks online right now and I'm just making sure that your team members are getting paid when they're expecting to get paid and investors get paid when they're expecting to get paid and all the vendors and lenders and complying with loan covenants and things like that. Like all that has to do with having a system in place where money flows freely and on time. At a certain scale, you can't do it all yourself. And so we're in the process of onboarding a vendor who's going to basically take the cash management and financial reporting aspects off of my plate. And I'm very eager for that. (laughs) I bet. So you've been using QuickBooks and you've been doing that yourself up to this point? Yes. I've tried to use some online tools to do electronic payments, but seemingly there's a lot of challenges that happen when you have partnership company structures and you have companies paying companies that have interest in each other. A lot of these software companies have hard stops on those types of transactions because that's considered self-funding, but that's the way a partnership works. One entity pays the partners. And I don't understand why the industry hasn't adjusted to support partnerships, but that's been one challenge of of streamlining those transactions is finding a way to have our entity structure, have the money flow through it and do it electronically so I don't have to write checks and lick stamps and envelopes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's nice to hear you talk about that though, and just the frustration, this bottleneck of this cash management and how you all are moving forward in that and going to improve. You know, you got to jump over that hurdle to hire this new person, find them and train them, make sure all that's functioning and that process and system is working accurately. But once you do that, then all of a sudden you're going to have probably a better system, a more accurate system and more time for you to focus on other things. Oh, absolutely. The cash management and bookkeeping and all that is not my highest and best use. And we've gotten to the point now where it's time to find somebody who is gifted in that and specializes in that. And that's what we've done. And and we're excited to move forward there. Nice. So are there any other bottlenecks that you can share about? Yeah. um, When you get to a certain number of assets On the construction management side, I would say it it can be challenging to handle things in Excel because one of the challenges is when you're dealing with a bajillion invoices a month, how do you know that every invoice is valid? How do you know that you didn't already get billed for those set of appliances? And having a system in place that can catch those types of things does impact your bottom line because, you know, why buy two sets of appliance for the same unit when you should have only bought one? If that happens too many times or if a vendor either maliciously or not maliciously bills you twice for labor and materials, that will impact your CapEx budget and ultimately you won't be able to achieve all the value add that you underwrote to achieve. And so I built a monstrous Excel tool that catches all that and, and turned out I was the only person that could use it. And that's really not scalable because I'm the single point failure there. And so we're going through the challenge of trying to procure a software tool that works for the team. It can't just work for me. It has to work for the team, the people doing the work. And so 
we're in that process and just being able to handle all of the paperwork and then the lender requirements for draws and keeping track of all the dollars and the integrity of the invoicing and the bills we're paying. So that's definitely something that will show up once you reach a certain scale. Yeah. And it's hard too, when you're at that scale, there's so many invoices, right? There's so many things happening. It's hard for you to track. Well, did I pay for this already or not? And even a vendor, they're invoicing so many people as well. It could be a legitimate mistake yeah. that you know they invoice twice. And then if you're trying to stay on top of paying those bills and you pay it before you realize that you already paid it, right? Yeah. And then once the money's out the door, good luck getting it back because they've already spent it. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's been spent for a long time. So let's dive into maybe another scalable system or process that you've had to implement as you all have scaled. There's numerous people listening, I know that have, maybe they've got their first deal or two deals, and they're getting to that two or 300 units, maybe up to the four to 500 units or more. And they're looking to create these scalable systems and processes as well. So what's another system or process that has helped you all or that you all have implemented because of the, of the growth? Well, there's two areas. On the asset management side, there's having a system and process in place where you are able to collect the key performance indicators of each of the assets and measure the, you know, do basically a performative actuals analysis so that you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. And if you're trying to do all that in Excel, what you end up with is a double entry going on between Excel and your bookkeeping system. So we were living with the pain of double entry for a while. We're pushing very hard to get into a system where it's only single entry. So all the financials and all that, it's all in the same tool that you're entering the data once and that you, you've got your performer in that tool and you've got your actuals in that tool and the tool generates the analysis that you're looking for and you don't have to enter that stuff into your accounting system and then also enter it into a spreadsheet or download from your accounting system into a spreadsheet and then do all this data processing, which opens you up for error. Unless you're boy genius computer engineer and you can write macros that do everything for you, a lot of this is a little bit manual in Excel. So we're trying the best we can to get out of Excel tools, though you have to be careful that you don't get out of an Excel tool into a tool that's more complicated in Excel and it's taken up more of your team's time than it was in Excel. So like procuring tools is critical, I think, to long-term success. It's critical to your team members not killing you or quitting. So I would say having a solid system in place to do performative actuals prior to acquiring your first asset is good. So don't just focus on the tool that allows you to get into the asset. Before you get into the asset, think about what kind of tool am I going to use to do the budget actuals and actually do a proof of concept before you throw yourself into that. Is there a system that you can share with us that you all like or that you're moving to or that you could suggest? Well, what we're moving to is a phenomenal bookkeeper and QuickBooks based on the reporting capabilities of QuickBooks. Right now, we're using a software tool on the construction management side that interfaces with QuickBooks. So the goal there, once that's software is fully implemented is all the CapEx transactions are entered once in that CM tool and that CM tool talks to QuickBooks. And so we can do comprehensive financial reporting at the property management level, but also on the CapEx level because our software is talking to QuickBooks. You can put budgets into QuickBooks and then do budget to actual comparisons. And we're getting there. We're in the process of implementing all of this. And we're going through the growing pains of getting this up and running. But it's easy to dream 
something up, it's hard to implement it. Yes. Yes. No doubt about that. And so, and I couldn't remember, do you all self-manage? No, we use third-party property managers and then we asset manage. Okay. And so then how much of the accounting is done by the management companies? And then is that a double duty that they're doing it or are they doing it? And then you all are doing some as well. So the model that we're using right now is that for the operations account, the security deposit account, and the escrows account, those are three bank accounts that the property manager is managing and controlling and bookkeeping on. Basically, I give them a chart of accounts template that I want to see my financial reporting in. And so they give me their financial reports for those accounts in the format I request. And then for the entities that sit above the property management account, that asset, that entity that holds the asset, our bookkeeping team will then do all the transaction and bookkeeping and financial reporting. And I have a guy who's going to be a controller and his job is to ensure the authenticity and integrity of the financial reports he generates every month. So he's the guy with the stick making sure that everybody is giving him the data he needs to give me high integrity data so that I have financial situational awareness and that we're being proactive and not not reactive. No, I like it. And so I know you talked a minute ago about having these processes or everybody talks about the processes or systems getting up to buying that property, but not many people afterwards. And you're elaborating on some of that now. Are there any other systems that we need to be thinking about that you can think of or that you all have implemented or processes to help us, you know, after we've acquired that property, you know, the real work begins now, right? Anything else that has helped your all's business after you've closed? Well, I would say going in eyes wide open before you close and having those asset management tools to do the performance and financial reporting is key. And then also as you scale, you will need some kind of solution to manage investor communications. So we're in the process of procuring a investor portal type software. There's a bajillion of them out there and we're zeroing in on a vendor for that. And just being able to have clear, timely communications with your investors and automate the paperwork as much as possible. Because when you start to scale, when your investor list gets into the three-digit area, you need to use have software that does batch work. And we're also systemizing in that area because at, at our current scale, that was becoming a pain point. That was becoming a bottleneck. And so we're getting close to implementing a particular software and being able to generate K-1s, monthly financial reporting, and deliver that content to the investor predictably and consistently, being able to put our brand on it. And then, you know, if we have any team members that help us with investor communications, that they can maintain their brand and all that kind of stuff and have a consistent face to those individuals who've entrusted us with their capital. Very important. Yes. And we've been working on the same thing and we've experienced that bottleneck, you know, just the subscription agreement process and all all those things. You know, if you're doing that manually and you start doing larger deals and a lot more investors and yeah, it's a nightmare if you're doing that manually. Yeah. You have to have like at least the mindset that something that's stuck with me from the Kiyosaki books is how for me, the way I'm wired, I'm wired to build pipelines and to not carry buckets. And so when you get at a certain scale, you realize that, man, I'm carrying buckets and I can't carry any more buckets. And so putting the time and effort in to build these scalable systems is you're putting in the work to build the pipeline. 
so that the carrying of the bucket parts is no longer needed. And pipeline efforts are required to scale. And that's really, you know, like I said, that's been my focus. Nice. And so, Ben, you know, through this syndication journey from an aerospace engineer and now your full-time real estate, what's been the hardest part of your syndication journey? I would say... The transition, you know, I I started out working full-time for a large company and trying to do this on the side. And then the kids started showing up. And then, like, you find that your time just starts to dwindle. And the hardest part, I think, was trying to start this business on the side. And, you know, the way that it was overcome, I'm not going to say I overcame. I'm going to say God overcame it because he, I got laid off and it pulled the rug out and put that decision, that, that fork in the road of like, all right, do I try to jump back in engineering or do I pursue this full time? And I think it put that decision front and center. And ultimately, with the support of my wife, I would never do it without her support. We, we decided to venture into the unknown and for me to pursue syndication full-time. That is a challenge when you're trying to make that leap from part-time nights and weekends and then the full-time and all the financial practicalities of that happening. It's real. I feel people's pain when they're at that point where they they, they want to jump over to it full-time, but it's tough to make it do. And it's a, it's a leap of faith. For me, it was a total faith thing where I just believe that this is where God was calling me and he's not going to call me to something and let me just fall flat on my face and fail. Not that I wouldn't have failures along the way, but I know that his future grace is there for me and being obedient to him. And that's really what allowed us to make that leap. Nice. I appreciate you sharing that and doing it on the side uh, while you're working full time. I mean, it's no joke. You got to be willing to put in many long hours, no doubt about it. But then, like you said, having the faith to just make that step and and jump. And I appreciate you sharing that. But what is a maybe a big way that you all have recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Maybe something we haven't talked about. I'll tell you this, the recovering engineer part. So as an engineer, we're wired to be stupidly analytical and overanalyze everything to the nth degree and then analysis paralysis thing. I had this mindset coming from being an engineer that, oh, I can engineer every aspect of this business system. I'll design it and I'll just plug people in. And that I'm finding is a recipe for delayed success. Because I needed to stop thinking like an engineer and I needed to start thinking like an executive where you find the right person for the right seat and you tell them what results that you need and you allow them to work in their strengths to give you those results rather than trying to build out a system that you're going to plug them into. And I think that recent change in mindset has really set me free to not feel this burden that I have to engineer every little detail of the system that anybody's ever going to interact with and working with me. So that was the thought behind being a recovering engineer and just not engineering everything to the nth degree, but willing to let go of some things. Nice. So what is your best advice for caring for investors? I would say communicate to them and set their expectations for what you're projecting. So if you're having challenges in the asset, be clear with them and communicate with them. I think the worst thing anybody could ever do to an investor would be to go silent. Then all the wheels start turning their head like, what did I just get into? I think communicate to them with them and set their expectations. And as syndicators, we want to under-promise and over-deliver. And I think viewing their dollars as your mother or father's money. Matt Faircloth runs the equity side of the business, but I view his investors as my investors. 
I take it as the same seriousness as if they're, that's family money, people I know and love who trusted in me. And that's the level of seriousness that I take when I work in my business every day is I need to keep my commitments to those people. Even if those people have never met me in person, I bear the weight of this is family money. And so I think the attitude at which you approach your business, you know, if you were an investor, how would you want to be treated? I think the golden rule, it applies to life and it applies to business. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and like how you talk about it as family money, it's like it's your family's money. That's a great way to look at it. And so if you had to pick one thing, Ben, that's contributed to your success, what would that be? I'd say the support of my wife. And secondly, perseverance, because this indication is not a get rich quick scheme. It takes time and it takes a lot of sacrifice. And, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki said, those people who are very successful, they were able to delay gratification for the longer vision. And I think a lot of our culture is we want gratification now. And I think you have to throw that away. I would say the support of my wife, she's the one that frees me up to go up to my office and work till midnight, often multiple times a week. And I still do that, still putting in as many hours as I can, but I'm also balancing it saying no more than this many nights a week and the rest of the nights I'm investing in my wife and my relationship and my marriage. Yeah. And kids in there too somewhere, right? (laughs) The kids are in there too. Yes, sir. I got, I've got three of them and they're all under seven. So I'm very busy and they teach you about yourself every day. They do. I agree. I've got three under seven as well. And, uh, but uh, Ben, how do you like to give back? Well, something that I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about the sanctity of life. That both relates to the unborn and the living. And so the one area is anti-human trafficking. And the other area, I'm a candidate for a board position in the process of being brought on board for the Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy Center. It's a local organization here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but they have a breach that's much broader. But just helping people make gospel-centered decisions that honor the sanctity of life when when unexpected situations come upon them, helping them to have an eternal view and the decisions that they make today. Nice. Appreciate you sharing that. That's awesome. I'd love to hear more about that sometime as well. And uh, but appreciate you giving back in that way and just your time today, Ben, and sharing just your expertise and helping us to learn a lot about growing our business and those bottlenecks that are bound to happen if you continue to grow. Before we go, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Well, the best way to get a hold of me is through my uh, email address, which is b.risser at providencecapital.org. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital making a difference one investor and one child at a time.
Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.